You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Again, it's YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackowitz, the rector of Holy Name Cathedral in Chicago, and co-host Mark Teresi, executive director of the cathedral. Mark, we had a wonderful, fabulous weekend. We sure did. Our Heart of Holy Name Gala at the Cultural Center was a tremendous honor for Deacon Stan Strom. Also, we honored Bethany House for their great work with immigrant women. And we had a great meal by Blue Plate Catering, uh, beautiful music, Rich Daniels, uh, Ensemble Orchestra, uh, Mary Letter, our stewardship Director did a great job. So did you. Everybody, but you well, also did a great job well, along with the entire team. And it uh, now, had you ever ever been in the cultural center before, which is the old Chicago Public sure. Library? Years ago, I was chairman uh, chair of the National Catholic Development Conference. We had our annual convention here in Chicago, and we had an evening at the cultural center. We wanted them to feel Chicago. So we had an evening uh, with different food banks, different, you know, like Malnati's and Vienna hot dogs and, uh, and a jazz ensemble. So Chicago's, you know, the birthplace of jazz. I have never been in the cultural center. In fact, Stunning. Father, it's beautiful. It's about 100 years old at least. And Father Luke Camelli said he loved being there because when he was in high school at Quigley, he would sometimes go to the Chicago Public Library do research I, and that's study. That's what I did. Yeah. And the room he studied in or spent a lot of time in was the room we were in. He said, Greg, this was the old Civil War Museum room in the old public library. And you looked around and you saw uh, on the wall uh, the battles, Gettysburg, yeah. Antietam, and all that. So it was and just think, a great thing. Think about the difference when we. When we used that room for research, we had these microfilm things we had to go through. Took hours to do what we can do or now. Or the periodical in index. Five minutes. Yeah. You know, look at the index. Right, right. Pull out the boxes, you know, and look and go. And you go upstairs, look for the article in the Time magazine, Newsweek, whatever. And the article you needed was ripped out. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was ripped out. You, you know, pages. Your predecessor yeah, ripped it out. Yeah. You know, pages, let's say 30 to 35, <laughs> the article you needed. Those pages were gone. I forgot so about that. Again, 312-255-8408, youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. And a great program lined up here on WNDZ 750 AM, addressing the issue of violence in our communities. Most Blessed Trinity Parish in Waukegan, North Chicago, and Waukegan Police Department are joining together for a gun buyback event that will take place this Saturday, April 29th. Joining us for the first half hour of today's program are Father Tim O'Malley, Tremendous priest of Diocese of Chicago, pastor of Most Blessed Trinity Parish, Marvin Zabito, Operations Director of Most Blessed Trinity Parish, and Scott Chastain, Deputy Chief with the Waukegan Police Department. Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Good to be on again. Thank you. Well, I know that uh, Father Tim has been on before, and so has Marvin. And I think for, the, uh, for uh, Scott Chastain, your first time on the program, so welcome to all of you. And, it, uh, and I think this whole area of gun violence, uh, maybe to open up with uh, you know, the Deputy Chief of the Waukegan Police Department, Scott Chastain. You've been the Deputy Chief for how long, Scott? 
uh, a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, well, congratulations. Really? A couple of weeks. Yeah. What yeah, were you... I was a commander um, right before that, and then we had some people retire. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I got promoted to deputy chief. Well, then, uh, commander, then it um, – are you from that area up north? I'm actually from the north side of Chicago. Where'd you go to high school? Amundsen. Oh, oh my that's gosh. my neighborhood. Uh, do you yeah. remember – let me throw a name out to you because he was a very active parishioner when I was pastor at St. Mary of the Woods, Mr. Jim Gemsky. Does that teacher ring a bell to you? Maybe no, he might have been before you or after you, and I uh, forgot what he was, he was doing in school. But yeah, it's the one teacher I knew from Amundsen, and it, uh, so you know, for example, you know, in getting back to the topic today, the uh, gun buyback event this Saturday, uh, Father Tim O'Malley, was this your idea or Marvin's idea or the commander's idea? Actually, the um, archdiocese was uh, trying to encourage parishes to do this and uh we've had enough uh problems with uh the gun violence here and uh, you know I've, i had buried a, a few people because of gun violence over the past year uh myself and both father felipe Vagnante, i think we had about six uh deaths. so um, i i thought well walking well, might be a good place to do this so it, it was at the suggestion of the archdiocese and so we began exploring this, I believe, back in October. So um, with, with uh, a lot of uh, conversations going back and forth, especially through the help of uh, Marvin Sabito, we were able to uh, finally you know, put this together with dates and, and funds and support and encouragement from people throughout the community. Maybe, Marvin, give us a little overview. I'm sure we'll talk about it a few times during the show, but, you know, day, time, how this thing works, uh, who, are you, who are you looking to invite to this event? Um, could you give us the stats? Sure, I'd be happy to. So basically, it's a drive-up event. You're never going to leave your car, so you're going to enter our parking lot. You'll have your unloaded weapon in the trunk of your car. Police department will come up. They will investigate the weapon to see, confirm it is a gun. And then basically term if it's a big gun or a little gun. If it's a big gun, you're going to get a voucher for $100. If it's a small gun, you're going to get a voucher for $25. They'll give you the voucher, you pull up, you'll get cash, and you'll be on your way hopefully in about 10 minutes. So no identification, no license plate, no nothing of the sort to trace it to you in any kind of way. So voucher to cash, that's a transaction that happens right on site there? Correct. The police department will take care of the guns. They'll give the people vouchers. They'll drive it up to another part of the campus where it will distribute. So, Marvin, if somebody were to walk in and open up their trunk and hand over five large guns, they would actually then leave the parking lot with $500 in their pocket. That's correct, right? But they won't actually walk up. They'll be driving up, right? You're so driving yes. up. Yeah, yeah, right. And driving up to it. And, uh, you know, this whole area of gun violence in that uh, it, it to me is just incredibly just out of control. And Commander, you see this every day, day in and day out. And then you know, for you, uh, Father Tim, you've been a recipient of having buried six, I presume, young people from gun violence is, in the work that you do, uh, Scott, is how do you address the whole issue of violence? I mean, every day we read in the newspaper you know, a mass shooting, another killing. It, it's, it's, it's out of control. It's out of control. So what is your response to this whole issue? Well, we try to um, educate our children first, you know, by uh, talking to them in the schools, doing um, presentations on gun violence, um, educate them about guns and, and gun safety, and, and try to first stop getting our youth to... Um, you know, have guns and carry guns and, and handle things differently. Secondly, you know, we do do some suppression activities, like uh, we have officers out uh, doing suppression for um, for violent crimes. We actually have a, a division called a Community Crimes Division, and a lot of them, what they handle is, is violent crime. Now, Commander Scott, I'm curious, what drew you to your career in law enforcement? You're a kid in Chicago growing up, high school, Amundsen, and you're now in Waukegan, uh, assistant commander, however, whatever the title is. But what drew what drew you to this career? 
Um, well, a couple things. You know, I grew up in Chicago. It was a little bit of a rougher neighborhood. My my high school was plagued with gangs and gang violence. And, um, you know, I had an uncle who was a police officer for Chicago who was a good influence for me. And watching him and seeing the stuff he did really made me want to do what I wanted to be the police since I was a young kid. So as I got old enough to start taking tests, I did. And then I was fortunate enough to get hired in Waukegan. And what year was that? 1993. So you've been a police officer for 30 years. It'll be 30 years in August, yeah. You know, God bless you. And yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, when Mark and I are walking downtown by the cathedral here in Chicago or I'm walking to the hospital or to a meeting, every time I see a Chicago police officer, even in the car at a stoplight or on foot, I go up to them and say, you are our unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. God bless you. And they have a big smile on their face and say thank you because the abuse that they take, I'm sure even up in Waukegan, it is incredible. And, you know, the thing is, and this whole area, this issue of gun violence, we could spend from now until noon on this topic and just scratch the surface. And it's, you know, you're always going to get the fight, well, it's, you know, the, the, the right to bear arms, which I understand. But I find very interesting is that when the Constitution first was created, you didn't have the weaponry mm -hmm. you have today. That's one thing to bear a gun and have it in your, on your, in your, in your pocket. But these assault weapons that are incredible, and you, you know the, the thing that happened in Highland Park last July 4th and goes on and on these killings, you know, we talk about the killings must stop, and, it, and it, if anything, it's getting worse. So I think what you're doing up in Waukegan is for Saturday. Now, um, for any of the answers, what are you hoping in terms of response? You're hoping to get 100 guns back, 300 50. Do you have any idea what you're looking for on Saturday? You know, this is a new event for us. We haven't done one before. Um, my personal hopes would be we get, you know, somewhere over 100 guns. That'd be really nice. Uh, but not having one of these events, you know, in the past, it's hard to gauge a number. If we can get, you know, one gun, I think it's a success, right? Because we get one gun off the street. However, you know, our, our aspirations and hopes, you know, the more the merrier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Tim, you said that in the last year or two, you have buried uh, a few individuals and you're associated the same thing. Has it been young people, gun-related gun violence, gangs? Yes. <clears throat> and, and same way. All gun-related gun violence uh, involves kids, very often kids who are, I believe, 18 or under. Um, that's our experience. Our, um, our efforts... Uh, no, we tend to the people, I, and I'm, I know more have died. Um, however, you know, a lot of that violence is is on A Street in Waukegan, which is where we have our food pantry and soup kitchen. And wow. uh, so there's a lot of concern there as well. And we're grateful for the police. You know, they're, they're there, um, especially on Wednesdays when we're uh, distributing food baskets. They're there on um, the evenings when we're distributing food from the uh, soup kitchen. Uh, uh, but usually the violence is late at night. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to take a little break. WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Maybe when we come back, we could start again with uh, Father Tim. I'm curious what the par parish reaction is to this event happening and, you know, and the church co-sponsoring uh, this, I think, wonderful event. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities Blossoms of Hope Brunch will be held on Sunday, April 30th at Drury Lane in Oak Brook in support of the Loving Outreach to Survivors of Suicide Program, also known as LOSS. This inspiring brunch is an opportunity for all members of the LOSS community to gather with its founder, Father Charles Ruby, in support of the program and to celebrate the resilience that can be attained over time. For more than 40 years, 
loss has been compassionately accompanying individuals and families on their journey through grief. The program has been recognized by the United Nations as a model for helping those grieving this tragic event in their lives. In-person and online resources help people around the country find healing and joy in life again. To learn more about loss and the Blossoms of Hope brunch, visit catholiccharities.net. We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit. From servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic Appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, our parish is the largest one in the archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic Appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program has assisted thousands of single parents who are working to become more self-sufficient through education and employment opportunities. Our experienced case managers accompany participants for up to five years on their journey to identify, address, and break down barriers to improving their quality of life and achieving meaningful goals for themselves and for their families. Professional, compassionate assistance is offered in a safe and trusting environment as participants develop the skills needed to become financially stable and able to support themselves. Every achievement starts with the decision to try. To learn more about Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program, call 847-782-4233 or visit catholiccharities.net. We're back, WNDZ 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're with Father Tim O'Malley, Marvin Sabido, and uh, Deputy I'm com Commander, Deputy Chief. Sorry, sorry, Scott. Let's get it right, Mark. Okay. Uh, Scott Sastain, Chief of the Waukegan Police Department. We're talking about a gun buyback that's going to happen April 29th, 11 to 2 p.m., Most Blessed Trinity Parish, 450 Keller Avenue, Waukegan. You buy back a, fun a functioning firearm will be bought back for $100, 25 cash for non-functioning firearm. Uh, tremendous event. Uh, my question before the break, and I'm framing it with the idea that um, Precious Blood Ministries in, in Englewood ha ha deals with gun violence. And in the school, they have peace circles with young children who are talking about gun violence in their area, in Englewood. And it, it's almost 100% of those kids have been impacted somehow by gun violence in their lives. Um, Father Tim, you had talked about the funerals you had. How is the parish reacting to this event happening, uh, sp sponsored by the parish, and really taking active role in saying this, we have to stop this gun violence? How? What are you picking up from folks? I, I think people are fine with it. Uh, we put it in the prayers of the faithful. Um, we've had... Uh, good response from people who have been in, you know, this community. Nobody wants to see our kids uh, shot or our kids uh, carrying weapons. When I talk with them, I, you know, I think there's a little bit of shock when I tell them that uh, the Waukegan police picked up 277 uh, firearms uh, 
past year. Wow. Um, I think most of those were in, you know, traffic stops and most of these are with kids. And these kids, you know, they, you know, they, they go into the um, judicial system um, uh, for youth. And uh, so they, they go over to Libertyville. We have a place on um, um, Milwaukee Avenue and uh, they're there in the morning and they're out in the afternoon. Um, so it's a, a little hard to uh, imagine that we're addressing the system well. Uh, so are they I, in I the, are they in in the morning out in the afternoon having possessed a gun or having ever fired the gun fired the gun is different right yes that, yeah. having possessed a gun okay. uh, so uh, the the deputy chief might be able to speak to that more clearly but it's my understanding that uh, you know they do a traffic stop they're probably too young to drive well uh, there might be some indicators that there's a good reason to pull over the vehicle and uh, in fact they do and they they find the the firearm. Wow. I have a question for you, Marvin. That is, uh, your title is you are the operations director of the parish, but all of a sudden you find yourself involved with this project. So, is there anything in the parish that you don't do? Uh, no, I help out wherever I can. But when we talk about gun violence, I think we're talking about Waukegan. But as we've been talking today, I don't think it's unique to Waukegan. I, I live 14 miles south of here in a normally quiet, leafy suburb called Highland Park. Mm. Wow. Last. 15 years, I've been part of the emergency response team with the police there, a volunteer. And on July 4th, I was on patrol and I I was probably 30 feet from where the shootings occurred. And oh I saw and heard things that a human being should never see. So I think it's just a reminder to everyone, be it in Highland Park, be it up here in Waukegan. And as Father Tim mentioned, we've had three people shot, died within probably two blocks of our food pantry and soup kitchen within the last six months or so. So again, it doesn't matter the community. We're all touched in one way or the other. So Marvin, let me get this straight. Last July 4th, with the horrific shooting, with the parade, you were 30 feet away from the active shooter on the ground. Yes, I was patrolling the patrol route for the parade um, on bikes, and then shooter was like 30 feet away, and I did what I can to help people afterwards, but it was... One of those things that sticks with you the rest of your life. So which means you actually heard the gunshots, you saw people screaming and fleeing and people going down. You were there at that moment. Sure. I was right then and there when it happened. And by the grace of God, you're here. And um, what is that? How how do do you absorb that? I think you try to find the good in the world so that was evil that can never be comprehended. But you see all the people that you know, in response, they tell you to remove yourself from the scene. Well, a lot of people did some extraordinary things in that day and rushed to the scene. And I think because of that, a lot less lives were lost and could have been lost. So talk about, you know, um, Father Greg, you mentioned thank you to police officers. I've been doing it for 15 years with the department in Highland Park. Wonderful souls. And they tell you the same thing. They want to go home every night. You know, they have families and and part of the community as well. So no one's going to be a bigger supporter of the police and the wonderful work they do. But yes, I saw some things that human beings shouldn't see last year. And Scott, I have to ask you this question. You get up every morning, you go to work. And I've had Chicago police officers say when they get up in the morning and you know, goodbye to the family, they hope and pray they come home that evening. Because, you know, as a priest at Holy Cathedral, you know, I get up, I'm going to work. I, in all honesty, I don't fear about losing my life in going to work. I think neither does Mark Teresi here. No. But in your line of work, I just, my hat's off to you and all the men and women who serve in the front lines as police officers. So, I mean, I'm not even sure how to frame the, I'm not sure how to frame the question, but in your line of work, you literally are putting yourself on the line, your life, every day. I'm sure that that has to go through your mind in just our our topic today. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I I think it's something, you know, it's it's weird to say, but as the police, you get used to it. You know, you Mm -hmm. you don't really think about that when you leave. You know what? Maybe in the beginning or at a critical incident, that may come through your head. But for the most part, when you get up every day and you go to work, it's not something, at least not for me, that I think about. You know, when you get to the job and then things come up and critical incidents happen, 
even then, you know, I think it happens afterwards. I spent most of my career working gangs and narcotics, and uh, we would have a lot of uh, critical incidents doing search warrants and high risk um, things on that. But honestly, you know, you don't think about it maybe till afterwards. At least for me, I, didn't, I don't get up in the morning and think, hey, today could be the day. You know, I just get up, come in and do my job, do it to the best of my ability. And then, like I say, after we de-stress from a critical incident, you may think about it. But then just, with just the amount of um, domestic violence you deal with, you talk about the narcotics and gangs. And have, you know, and the, the fact that you've been now a police officer this August, 30 years, what changes have you seen in the last 30 years? When, was, when you started in 1993, here it is, 2023, things are always changing. What's the biggest change you have seen over the last 30 years? Now, one thing I'm going to say to answer myself the question is, I see a cr- an entre- tremendous lack of respect toward authority mm-hmm. since I was a boy more than 30 years ago till now. That's been a big change I've seen is, God, when I was, when I was a teenager, a police officer said, move. I moved. Oh, exactly. oh my God. And now police officers say to me, they'll say something in response. They get the finger. It, it's just it's un- unbelievable. So what's the biggest change you've seen in the last 30 years, Scott? I think one of the biggest changes is mobility. So it used to be, you know, gangs would hang out and sit on a street corner. Same with drug dealers. They were always on the street corner in the same areas, fighting over turf. And it was like, hey, if we knew we wanted to go look for a specific gang, we know where to go. Today, it seems like they're all more mobile. You get drug dealers are selling off of cell phones, mm-hmm. making deliveries, not necessarily the open air market on the street corners are almost non-existent. And then you got the gangs as well, where they used to hold on to a little piece of territory and claim it as their own. A lot of these gangs aren't doing that. So you'll see a lot of the shootings that are going on nationwide are mobile cars shooting at each other chasing mm-hmm. each other down the mm-hmm. roadway. We got a lot of incidents on the highway where they're shooting. So to me, I think the biggest change in the last several years is the mobility of crime. Wow. Now, Father, to maybe a form of the same question. In, you were a lawyer. I remember that. You're, you're trained as a lawyer. You're ordained a priest. Did you ever dream that at, uh, on April 29, 2023, you'd be doing a gun buyback event? As part parish, of your priesthood. As part of your priesthood. I, I, you know, I was aware that other people did it. I was at St. Agnes of Bohemia um, Parish in Little Village. So I know after I left, um, Father Matt Foley was able to put together a uh, gun buyback program. So that, I knew it was a possibility. I'm, I'm here in the parish with Father Felipe Vaglante, who had um, also been uh, with me for two years. And I moved on and he stayed on. So... I was well aware of, you know, the need for that gun buyback and, and, you know, these arms aren't cared for. They're going to fall into wrong hands. It, it's really important for us to do it. I was in uh, Chicago uh, five years ago. I, I'm, I'm up here in Waukegan five years now. And uh, I used to talk with the policeman. I said, you know, your job is to go home at night. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the, the city's not going to support you if you're uh, involved in any of these incidents you know you really need to be careful um so i would encourage them but i I knew that it it was impossible to protect themselves from this so hopefully you know the church um the local community is saying look we can we can buy back these guns we can put them off the street parents who realize their kids uh, you know pick up those uh, arms that they might have uh, you know and get them to turn them in turn them to a few dollars Mm -hmm. Uh, if if we can prevent one death, it's worth it. Oh, my God, even one shooting. Uh, before we bring the, this half to a close, Marvin, again, give us the details for this Saturday. Right, it's going to be this Saturday the 29th from 11 to 2 p.m. Most Blessed Trinity Parish, 450 Keller Avenue, Waukegan, Illinois. Love to see you. Pull up, no questions asked. We won't ask any identification. We won't ask for your license plate of your vehicle. You don't even have to get out your car, um, bring your weapon unloaded. The police department will take it. They will give you a voucher. You'll pull across about 50 feet. We'll give you cash, and you'll be on your way hopefully in about 10 minutes. Okay, that's fantastic. We're going to bring the first half to a close, but uh, Father Tim will stay with us. Marvin stays with us. I want to thank in a very special way 
uh, Deputy Chief with the Waukegan Police Department, Scott Chastain, could join us the first half hour. Uh, the commander will be leaving us. The Father Tim and Marvin will stay. So thank you to all three of you. Yes. And uh, God bless you, Commander, yes. for the great work you do. You are you are truly, along with your staff, the other men and women, are the unsung heroes exactly. of our community. So God bless you. You're listening to uh, Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackowitz and Mark Teresi. Stay with us. We'll be back after these messages. And again, do not touch that dial. core to Catholic Charities' founding mission. For more than 100 years, we have met people and families where they are, serving anyone in need, regardless of their faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. As our world absorbs the economic, political, and social aftershocks of the pandemic, 50% or more of the 6 million people living in Cook and Lake counties have little or no savings. They are a paycheck away from zero. We are deeply grateful to everyone in the Catholic Charities community who partners with us to alleviate the suffering of the people we serve and offer them a better path forward. We are witnessing a message of mercy and hope to a world very much in need. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. say how can you spend your day with three-year-olds seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow this is a very rewarding job even though at the end of the day we're not the highest paid people on earth and when I have a parent contact me and say my child loves school that to me I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning because really you are changing lives you are molding lives shape the next generation of leaders teach Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. You can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Second half of our show, we'll continue our conversation with Father Tim O'Malley, Pastor Most Blessed Trinity Parish, Marvin Sabito, Operations Director. Uh, our last program, we were just totally impressed and amazed by the outreach in your parish. So could you give us an update on the food pantry, how things are going with that, and soup kitchen, and maybe how people can support you in those two wonderful ministries? Great, thanks. Yes, if we could start there with thanks for the people that run those ministries. Francis mm-hmm. Gonzalez, known as Pancha, she runs our soup kitchen, and Darlene Montes de Oca, she runs our food pantry. They make miracles happen every day, so we couldn't do without them. And the Myriad of volunteers that help and support yeah, them. Beautiful. We had huge numbers. If we compare 2022 to 2021, we we're up over 39% in our food pantry. Wow. Number of guests served. And our food soup kitchen was up 15%. And even more amazing, the first quarter of this year compared to the first quarter of last year, we're up 50% in each one of those. So huge numbers where they continue to do wonderful things to serve the community. Where are those numbers coming from, do you think? If I had an easy answer, I think, you know, solve poverty or solve crime and D, you know, one-stop shop. I don't know. I think it's a sign that there's just a lot of people in need for a myriad of reasons. 
Um, I think some of the government benefits that were put out during COVID have ended. And so that's affecting the community as well. So, um, but yeah, lots and lots of need out there. Marvin, how is the food pantry uh, daily or weekly replenished? Comes to primary sources. One, we partner with Northern Illinois Food Bank. And so we go there. Their headquarters for the Lake County is probably 15 minutes away from here. So we make, they drop things off twice a month in trucks. And we go there probably about weekly or so to pick up shipments. We also have some wonderful partners with regards to grocery stores, um, Heinen's, oh. we go to Jewel, we go to Target, some wonderful partners there, and then the donations of individuals, food and monetary donations as well. How do people donate? They can go to the our website, mostblessedtrinityparish.org. In the upper right, you'll see some opportunities to give via Gift Central. So you can just click on one of those boxes and give anytime you like. Now, what about a phone number if somebody wanted me to, uh, to call? Um, you can call the, you can feel free to call me directly in my cell, right? The whole world's got my What is it? Is what is your number? 224-715-4226. That number once again, Marvin. 224-715-4226. Now, go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, Father Tim, is you've been at Blessed Trinity five years is your, um, and uh, what have you seen in the five years in terms of growth of this area, in terms of the needs of folks? I remember last show you were talking about a van that um, really allowed you to move things more quickly, but what have you seen in the five years? The uh, With the assistance from the annual Catholic Appeal and, and people throughout the community, the Archdiocese, um, uh, we've been able to uh, serve the people a little better. We've been able to uh, take care of the building. Um, when I arrived, the, the building really seriously needed uh, work on the um, brick uh, outside. We had to do, and we did it over a couple of years, uh, using funds that we found um, to actually do the tuck pointing. And then that was followed by, okay, we're going to work on the roof. And then uh, this past year, we actually painted the interior of the, the food pantry, um, which makes a nicer place for our volunteers, but also show greater respect for a, a beautiful church building. And um, so that was helpful. Uh, the other support has come from people who've heard about uh, our efforts. Um, in fact, you know, St. Mary's Parish uh, has been very generous and, and their parishioners have been very generous. Um, supporting us on uh, the food pantry and as well as the soup kitchen, as well as our uh, parish. Uh, it's a, a wonderful, a generous effort by um, Father Mike Nasus and his parish community uh, to support us. And, and one of the great pluses is that, you know, we meet Father Mike Nasus there when they're bringing the uh, food from their collections or some other forms of support. And that's where Father Mike Nasus uh, grew up. That's where he went to church. That's where he went to school. Oh, wow. On the St. Bart's campus. In Waukegan? Yes. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. The thing is now, what are the hours of operation for the food pantry, Tim? Well, the food pantry is officially open to give out the baskets. Uh, we do that on Wednesday from 1030 to 1230. So we have plenty of families. We're up even the neighborhood of 200 families. Uh, there's a few of us that actually deliver uh food baskets to people who uh, they don't have vehicles, they live a little farther away, uh, they might have cancer, so we make sure that we deliver food to their door. That is amazing. So we, we'll do that on usually Tuesday. And what about the soup kitchen? The soup kitchen is open uh, Wednesday through Saturday from 5.30 to 6.30, and um, we have parishes and church communities uh, as well as parish ministries throughout Lake County um, who actually uh, uh, prepare the food and uh, distribute it uh, on those evenings. Now, uh, one of you was saying earlier in the program that they, they used him. The, the actual violence and the killings have taken place near the food pantry. Um, was that a correct? Was that statement correct? Yes. Yes. And now, a particular. Now, why in that particular location? Is the, the peak of the violence or one of the areas? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why the um, uh, this particular gang is, is active in that area. Um, I have 
One theory is that uh, with the legalization of the sale of marijuana um, in stores in our communities, that uh, there's been a battle for what I'd call turf for these gangs um, in the community. So I think there's been some push over, you know, who's going to be selling drugs in an area, and that's that's a home base of operations on that street, A Street, um, probably between uh, uh, Lincoln and uh, McAllister uh, for some of the members of that gang. Now, either for, either for Tim or for Marvin, do either one of you deal directly with gang members as a way to kind of work with them, um, change of life, or are you in direct connection with them or talking to them, you know, on the streets? You know, I'm, I will um, get out on the street, on, on A Street, and I'm happy to talk with people. Um, I know that when I go to the cemetery, uh, uh, occasionally I'll see the people at the uh, gravesite of some gang members that mm -hmm. I buried. I'll go over and talk with them, I'll encourage them, uh, perhaps challenge them. Um, so I've done that throughout my priesthood, um, especially in Little Village uh, at St. Agnes Bohemia Parish, but I've also done a little bit of that here. We also have uh, some other efforts that help us address um, them, perhaps on a spiritual level. Um, we do weekend evangelization retreats, and we have um, people who have gone, attended these retreats, and they've walked away from the gangs. How about in your case, Marvin? No, I can't say I have any direct interaction with them. I think what we try to do is make it a safe place on A Street. So we're very thankful that, you know, I pull in there before 7 o'clock most mornings, and there's normally a police officer in the parking lot. And so you know him by name, so kudos to Officer Jimenez. Mm -hmm. He's out almost every morning, so I can say hello and thank you to him. Um, but our, our guests, our food pantry and soup kitchen, find it a safe place in the community, so they'll come, they'll have their meal, they'll take their food away. It's a fairly dense from a population perspective so a lot of people walk there so it's not a kind of driving kind of community so again we just do what we can to protect those that come by so marvin uh why you do what you do oh oh i god calls us to do different things so i think we you know i i think that you know one of my favorite sayings of pope francis is you Say a prayer for the hungry and you feed them, and that's how prayer works. And I think mm -hmm. that's what we try to do here, combine both sides of it. The, um, I, you know, I think that, you know, we've been doing a lot to not only food pantry side and the soup kitchen side, but other things. I remember when my dad died down in New Orleans. So, so Mark, you mentioned Chicago being the home of jazz. There's a few people in New Orleans that might, might think a little I know bit differently. That I have a friend in New Orleans that argues with me about that. <laughs> Yeah, so but another conversation for another day. But when my dad died, we planted two trees in his favorite park. And so we've done a lot of Lodato Sea type of activities here. How do we make the world a better place? And to me, that's what it is from that perspective for future generations. So, you know, we've been cleaning up the community just the last two weekends. We had 77 volunteers haul away 70 bags of trash and 18 bags of recycling. And this was just at three of our campuses and 11 tires and three grocery carts. And so cleaning up the community, we've invested about $400,000 in energy improvements in our 23 buildings, as far as LED lighting and sensors. This summer, we hope to put in some solar panels. Um, so we're doing what we have a partnership coming up in May with the Martin Arboretum to plant some trees at one of our campuses. Nice. So. We do what we do. I, I've learned in life, you don't pray for an easy life, you pray for strength, and that's what we do in the community. Well, and and well, I get my strength on the wonderful folks I work with and the people in our community. But so. I remember, we're going to take a little break, but I remember our other conversation. You were in corporate at Granger, correct? I was in corporate, I yeah. was in corporate at Granger for I, 19 I, years. I, my I, corporate stints, yes. And maybe mm -hmm. a little, when we get back, just a little bit of a conversation. There may be folks out there thinking, you know, they're in the spot where you were and they want to look at ministry and maybe talk a little bit about uh, that transition. Because I remember I was fascinated with the idea that you, you're taking a lot of those skills and using them now in the parish. We'll be back. WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. You can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned.
We are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day, knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger, to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. You can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're with Father Tim O'Malley, pastor of Most Blessed Trinity Parish, Marvin Savito, operations director, Most Blessed Trinity Parish. Before the break, I, Marvin, I mentioned remembering your corporate involvement at Granger. Maybe for our listeners, someone may be in that spot where they're thinking, you know, I'm corporate, but I've heard this call in ministry. How, how, how did that work for you? I think it's a continuum to a certain extent. I was chair of our Irish Finance Council in Highland Park for about seven years. I was a minister of care at one point and usher, so jack of all trades, helping out wherever I can. And then I was transitioning between jobs, and our pastor was leaving, and opportunity came to Worked for the arts, so I said I tried for a short time and spent a few months there. Then I got um, asked to go up to Waukegan, North Chicago at Father Tim. So I think you find a lot of the skill sets are transferable, but it's a calling, like everything else. I always joke at first, I thought this, I had this angelic, idyllic vision as you sit back and you have your cup of coffee and you talk shop. And I've worked harder and more than I've ever worked <laughs> anywhere, but it's... Um, it's a layer of love, and I think that's anyone who does this call to appreciate that. And you try to see the good every day, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what we focus on here. It's just the, the good we do in the community. And again, I can't come back to the where you get your energy and strength from is the community, the team you work with, your team members, employees, the, the wonderful volunteers, those that give to our community. They, they give you strength when you're tired and keep you going. Beautiful. That's a great, great response. Along those same lines, uh, Tim, and that is uh, you are second career in terms of priesthood. You were ordained at what age? At 37. Okay, in my case, I was at Notre Dame College Prep High School, then Niles College Seminary, Mundelein, so I was ordained at the age of 26. 
and then you were a lawyer. Uh, I guess in your own personal life, what changed gears from lawyer to seminary priesthood? What happened? Well, you know, I, I think I kept praying through my 20s. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't walk away from prayer. And uh, so something that had, you know, grown during the course of even college years and uh, kept growing. Um, of course, studying law school was a four-year commitment at night. So that was that was a fair amount of work. Um, I'm also a CPA. Uh, and I just find that all of those skills that I acquired were, are really very helpful in serving the parish community. Um, yeah, I, I don't walk into court to uh, represent uh, the parish, let alone the uh, uh, parishioners. But, um, you know, the, the accounting and legal skills are uh, is something that uh, part of my training, I can't walk away from it. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for um, Marvin, his efforts. He helps keep us online in meetings and keeps us organized, uh, all the different things going on. There's a there's plenty of wheels going. Uh, one of our efforts over uh, now more than a year, um, one of our, we have two staff meetings a week. One of those staff meetings is focused on evangelization. How are we doing evangelization? You know, what's happening in, uh, across the, the parish with paid staff? So, um, you know, between religious education and the priest's efforts uh, and the deacon's efforts, what are we doing? Because we have um, a number of groups that you are meeting even weekly. Uh, uh, you know, Deacon, uh, excuse me, Father Gary Graff welcomed a group called Pominal, Familius and Alianza out of uh, Monterey, uh, uh, Mexico. And uh, that group's still growing. It's still strong. And there's others that have followed. Um, they started one here called Alpha Omega. They Now they call it Familia Sagrada. Uh, but it was a marriage support group uh, across the Archdiocese that had several places. Uh, this particular effort is still going here in Waukegan and North Chicago. Uh, we also have others. Uh, Emmaus, Conquistando uh, las Naciones para Cristo, Escuela de Cruz. Um, so we've done a lot in English. Uh, certainly the charismatic renewal is here. Um, and we're hoping to do some of this in English as well. So there's a lot going on. But to try and keep everything, Marvin's skills really come in, um, uh, you know, keeping us on uh, an organized platform uh, reminding us to keep things going his studies in management school um, he learned a model called raci and he, he can talk about it a little better but you know when we make decisions and we take responsibilities for things who's responsible who's accountable who needs to be consulted who needs to be informed and we keep working through that model and we keep dates current so i'm really appreciative of uh, marvin's efforts and that's extended uh, to the food pantry and the soup kitchen as well it's extended to the efforts where we've invited, you know, the city of Waukegan to be part of our efforts to clean up our campuses. So you know, they found a couple shopping carts on uh, a neighboring lot. They found a bunch of tires. Yeah. I don't think you'd put them on your car, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's uh, why they were here. Now, maybe either one of you, that evangelization meeting approach is fascinating to me, the focus. So either one of you, what have you learned? Uh, gathering around that topic we i i like to add that i think that you know we're all in constant communication we just don't uh communicate outside of our meetings uh or you know uh, forget to bring things up in meetings uh, marvin really has a, a long list and uh, if we have to tend to us on the list and we take care of it maybe marvin can add how much he's learned about what the front of the house looks like because you know with, uh, his efforts keeping back a house keeping employees uh, happy and informed and uh, filling out paperwork that needs to be filled out things like that but maybe marvin can add add to that marvin well, I think, right i i've learned that father tim and i can complement each other well again i don't try to <laughs> do that role but i try to operationalize what we do i talk to our team all the time almost everything we do is a project be it a weekend retreat or be a day an event or something of the sort. So again, I always call it who's got the monkey. So Father Tim calls it race. Yes, the MBA term I used 300 years ago when I was in school. But again, who's got the monkey, right? At the end of the day, everyone can't own the monkey. So we just, everyone work around that proposition and helps to make it clear that again, we can have who's swim lane in it, who has the responsibility, who do we need to communicate. Uh, 
a parish that's diverse and this large and it's complex, you've got to keep all sorts of parties involved, be it within the parish or external. We deal with a lot of external partners as well. We have Big Shoulders School. We deal with Catholic Charity. They're on two of our campuses. So a lot of partners to do wonderful work. And, and I always speak to them time and time again, communications, not on off switch, it's more dimmer switch. And I think another thing we've learned time and time again is to debrief. I think oftentimes we're all so busy, we just jump from like a frog from lily pad to lily pad project project. But we learn to take a step back and look back and see what went well, what do we want to change, what do we want to keep doing. And I think it serves us well. Otherwise, we just keep repeating the same mistakes and creating that environment where we understand the feedback is meant to improve us. It's not critical in any way. It's just how we continue to prove as an entity, as an organization, as a parish. Okay. I like that. It's interesting that uh, you talk about from lily pad to lily pad. You know, Mark and I were saying as we were coming to the uh, radio this morning is in the cathedral, it seems like we go from one project to another and, you know, we're under this illusion, oh, things will slow down. They seem to be just getting faster and faster, but also it is exciting when you're doing the work of the Lord. Sometimes you have to step aside and let the Lord take over. Realize we realize we are not in control. So in the first half of the program, we're talking about gun violence. It can shake your head and say, the killings you know, have to stop, and then the why and the why. But also then with your food pantry, and with the um, uh, soup kitchen, you're serving the people of God, and all are welcome. All are welcome. So maybe just in the last moment, either for Tim or for Marvin, is in the work you do. What energizes you the most? What, 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 I guess, what, besides what gets you out of bed in the morning, but what energizes and fires you up? Tim? You know, I think the healing that people experience is the most important thing. Uh, I can't begin to imagine how many people were healed at our weekend evangelization retreat this week, the Mass Men's, uh, as well as uh, last week's Mass Women's retreat. You know, we have more than 100 people attending those retreats over the course of two weeks, more than a, uh, probably 100 people each weekend supporting the retreat, making sure it goes off well in different measures. Um, there was um, a gal who attended, a woman who attended the retreat last week. And this week, uh, her, her husband, civil law husband, her, her dad who, uh, and brother, all of them from Honduras, all of them, you know, probably... Uh, immigrants in the last 20 years and uh, uh, civilly married but not married by church and uh, they did you know was such a powerful experience for her last week they attended the retreat this week and we have uh, three people who want to get married in church now. beautiful i need to bring the uh, program to a close it's a great way to end on so i want to thank in a very special way father tim o'malley the pastor of most blessed trinity parish in waukegan and Marvin Zabito, the Operations Director of Most Blessed Trinity Parish. You both work so well together. Tim, you're a great priest. Marvin, a man of faithful, but you both are in the work yeah. that you do. So thank you. God bless your ministry. Special thanks to co-host Mark Teresi, great work of Clint Cottrell and Michael May, our producer engineers. God bless all of you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.